In this episode, we discuss the only film where Harvey Keitel plays the father of a middle-aged Korean man. The Last Godfather. Welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. My name is Elliot Kalen. And I'm the house cat. No, no, no. No, no that's, <laughs> that's not true. Is that is 100% that, not true. What is that? Uh, is that a, I just thought I was filling in. So. No, no, no. Well, you, you're filling in as yourself. Okay. And I'm Al Madrigal. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Stuart's not here, but you know him from the world of comedy and television you know him from the world of tv and movies and insurance commercials you know him from the world of podcasts and stand-up and now you know him <laughs> from the world of comedy movie podcasts this mr one, al madrigal this one particular hey. al madrigal hi guys thank you for joining us you're filling in for Stuart wellington the usual third musketeer the athos to dan's porthos <laughs> Okay. And today you're our Aramis. And I feel like um, I didn't think when we were talking about this whole, was it the, what is he, he's the house cat? Or is yeah, it well, the, well, there is a house cat. There's a, there, you know, the there's flop a house, free-floating entity, flop house, sort of a trickster flop spirit. <laughs> flop house house cat. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the Native Americans refer to him as coyote. Yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's kind of a party dude mm-hmm. who's a cat. He chimes in every now and then. He's the original party animal. Yeah. Uh, other than the other party animals that preceded him, <laughs> yeah, well, I just really thought I would be able to chime in every now and then. No, no, the, well, we no, want no, you no, to talk no. as, we want you as to you. talk as a yeah, as a human. I mean, we appreciate being with feelings and uh, opinions about things and words that are not just meow sounds. <laughs> like that, it's oh, a great <laughs> house it's cat. Pretty you good. are enraging the fans <laughs> right now. <laughs> the fans are so mad. I think the They're fans will arms. demand that I come back, and uh, Stuart will no longer be involved with the podcast. Oh, wow, man, you you are thrown down the. Door. <laughs> <laughs> the floplet. Was Stuart ever in a bad movie? Did he read? No. Oh, that's true. No, uh, Al was regaling us on our uh, subway ride here. Don't look, with, come on, the glamour on our limo ride here. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's right. With tales of, uh, you know. Uh, Getting a call the day before shooting. And, <laughs> and what um, was the movie you were in? It was with Christian Slater? Lies and Illusions with Cuba Gooding Jr. and Christian Slater. Wow. In that order? Oscar winner. Actually, I think Christian Slater got top billing. Uh, Oscar winner Christian Slater. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh, Pulitzer For, uh, Prize winner Cuba Gooding Jr.? Yeah. Or is it Cuba Gooding Jr.? Cuba. Cuba? I believe he prefers Cuba. Okay. Like Where I was also, and I, um, the wardrobe, every bit of wardrobe in that movie is an uh, item that Christian Slater refused to wear. <laughs> and I, was, and um, I like to think that it's like a tutu, butterfly wings, <laughs> <Yeah>. pajamas. <laughs> it, like, uh, he made, refused with good reason. <laughs> Ill fitting dress shirts, uh, maybe like a <laughs> pastel mint green. No one would ever be. Uh, and then. Um, Madras some, shorts. This doesn't yeah. make sense. This is in Alaska. I don't get it, guys. It, not too far off. We were in Spokane, Washington, filming. That's where all the best movies are filmed. Oh, yeah, because um, it looks like everywhere. Yeah. And Spokane is doubles for a lot of places. Uh, we also, uh, they sent me the script in final draft and said, go for it. Okay, I think it's those words. <laughs> go like, for it, like, rewrite it. Please. <laughs> 
We are fresh out of ideas. Uh, we're just going to farm this out to all of you. Uh, we're going to crowdsource this. I like to think of Christian Slater now, like hunched over the computer, like, all right, what do we do with this? Okay, act three problems. He, Let's fix it. I, I guarantee you that he did not look at the script <laughs> until day of. Do you think he knew he was in a movie or was it like Bowfinger? Yeah, he, he, he knew very well what he was doing because he pulled me aside and said, Al, this is a. Let me tell you what we're doing here. This is a cash grab. <laughs> the old CG. All right, we're gonna do this and pretend it never happened. <laughs> Grizzled veteran Christian Slater. As if this was a crime you were committing somewhere. <laughs> sure. No, and really did. I saw him look at his sides at some point and uh, go. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. <laughs> like, I love go. that attitude. Yeah. All right, this is what you guys want to do. Let's go for it. I am 100% more forgiving of like the last 10 years in Christian Slater's career now that I've heard this and, story. At some point, years, I think I was years. also looking at my sides and like, uh, it was going to do sure my that lines. To make sure splitting from yeah. all the hilarity. <laughs> going to do my lines. And he looked at me like, just what don't worry about that <laughs> and we were really this isn't really one of those knowing your lines kind of movies. no i really it is an improvised movie mm-hmm. uh that's it with and <laughs> it's, it's called lies and illusions lies and illusions not and not clive barker's lord of illusions no and uh tibor the guy who directed you said <laughs> mansquito he also you had mentioned that he meant he, he directed a movie called, called i believe mansquito, which so I've, seen I, some of. I've got to well, you uh, said it was some kind of man is that a movie. sci-fi original i saw it on mansquito? sci-fi i think it might be a sci-fi original no um i think that was that a theatrical uh, release? mansquito people uh, <laughs> <laughs> well mansquito fans write in and correct us all you skeet heads Ooh, that sounds bad I mean, you know, like Mansquito then, of course, had the Vertigo uh, comic series based off of that movie, you know, and then there were a lot of ancillary properties. Where are you going with this? There was the Mansquito radio show. There was, yeah, Mansquito uh, and the Mad Dog, yeah. yeah. Wow, I that cannot believe show. I pulled up. Yeah, Tibor Takax is the name of the director. So Italian. Yes, Hungarian, close. And uh, I was in the right continent. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, Mansquito, I believe. Uh, let's see, Lies and Illusions. Some kind of untitled Tibor Fall Project. There he is. <laughs> the Gate. Oh, The Gate. He made was The that? Gate? Was, was that with uh, Johnny Depp? No. No, it's the gate the gate's the one where they play the uh, I think the, it's the ninth gate, I think. The the gate's the Canadian movie where they play the heavy metal record backwards and they open up a gate to hell. Oh, I don't know that one. Wow. How come hell always has gates? You'd think they'd have uh, moved past that just a door, yeah. nice door. Wait, like just a, rep- a nice door with all of history's greatest <laughs> criminals down there? Well, I mean a really big door. No. Like a big steel door. You gotta have a gate, a reinforced gate. A gate says to me, if you're a skinny enough villain, you, you can know, slip you through it. You need a gate, you need a portcullis, maybe, uh, some sort of... See, I'm, uh, still, I'm thinking yeah. more like a fence. Here's like, something you don't see often. In 1996, right he directed one episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which is hard to do. <laughs> Just one. Not <laughs> having we him We are back. not having... Listen <laughs> to no. Joan Hart is like, what never again. Tibor said everything he needed to say with the character in that one episode. <laughs> Why make a sequel? It's unnecessary. A lot of red shoe. Oh, two red shoe diaries. You got two of uh, them. Now this has nothing to do with the movie we watched tonight, though. <laughs> no, this is the movie you made. So, and working Correct. with Tibor was okay, or the guy was willing to send me the entire script and final draft. <laughs> yes, it was awesome. Mega Snake, 
<laughs> so I assume that's either a really big snake or a snake lottery of some kind. He did kind. ice spiders. He also ice did spiders? Mansquito, the black hole. Now, what's the relationship between ice spiders and ice pirates? I assume one rides the other, but which rides which, I don't know. <laughs> My babysitter's a vampire, and then recently he's um, done spiders 3D. Okay. So that's, he's working. <laughs> I mean, all spiders are 3D. Yeah. <laughs> So that's so that's that's your, why those so are your bad movie that's why I think I'm a little bit more qualified uh, than Stuart. Wow, wow, wow. Stuart better hope that he makes yeah. a bad movie while he's on his <laughs> vacation, because <laughs> uh, because you're making a pretty strong argument. So and then why is Stuart in Puerto Rico? I don't understand. Well, it's, he's just on vacation. Oh, okay, it's five where, months after being in Puerto Rico. Yeah, I mean they were just there less than a half a year ago to get married but they know. made a pledge to go back every five months <laughs> no like, matter what's going on in their hey life guys. they just drop it hey guys let's make a pledge if we're still married let's meet back here in five months because <laughs> they're not going to see each other yeah. well they, they're busy if we're still married we'll meet back here it's a modern career man and career woman they got to make time for each other you know how it is it's hard it's true it is hard when you got two working people in a relationship <laughs> Um, so now this um, The Last Godfather that we saw. Oh, yeah. That's the movie we saw tonight. That's the movie we saw yeah. tonight. I was working on well, this, was, well, we we the background. Way. Yeah. Well, well we, we the movie we saw tonight was called The Last Godfather, and this is a movie you brought to us. I yeah. found in Ellijay, Jay, Georgia at a sort of rest stop gas station grocery store. <laughs> uh, I was doing my first field piece for The Daily Show, and we pulled over. And shot some bad scene that was never used in the field piece. I was interviewing the uh, number one Mitt Romney fan, and we found oh, this that was one a funny guy. Piece. Yeah, he was very enthusiastic. Joe guy. McCutcheon. If you want to go back at thedailyshow.com and look this up, this great character mm-hmm. that I think we're going to meet up at uh, meet up with him at the convention. That would be awesome. He, he is the nicest man. He's actually since then. But called us while he was <laughs> taking a dump. Uh, <laughs> thank us again. Calls. Wait, how do you? I can understand butt calling someone when your like pants are fully up, but when they're down, it seems like he it's must have to... dropped it. I'm sure he dropped it. Dropped called. With force. Yes. <laughs> he, the he needed to go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he propelled those pants so, away from him. Uh, sweet, sweet man. But we found him in L.J., Georgia. When we're shooting some sort of background stuff, um, I came across. A rack, a movie rack, and mm-hmm. thinking that you remembering that you guys did this podcast, I was going through it. Now I found the Last Godfather um, that I'd heard about, and I'll tell you the backstory on it. But I found different versions. I found a three dollar, a four dollar version, and a five dollar. So the which, same movie in three different editions. Yeah. Correct. When there was price one, to move <laughs> with a one dollar difference <laughs> per what? disc. And so the question I have is: Are they thinking? Someone's going to see the $5 and be like, that's a little much, and then see the $3, and that suddenly seems like a bargain to but them. this one <laughs> is or, just right. <laughs> <laughs> or do they see the $3, and they're like, well, I don't want to seem like a cheapskate. Mm, yeah, I guess I'll get the, guy gonna the $4. Uh, the clerk's gonna. Th- the clerck knows me. I come in here all the time to yeah. buy my groceries, sure. I, and I don't want him to think I'm a cheapskate. I don't want to get the $3. I might as well get the $4, but at that point, it's just a dollar yeah, difference. Yeah, I'm screwing around with this dollar. <laughs> Let me just move no, up to the $5. $5 make sure should. no scratches. I know, it, Or he knows how they come. Like, yeah, look, $3 means heavy, barely watchable. Okay, yeah. For the $2 extra, you get a nice, clean film. <laughs> and, or, the, or maybe the $3 movie at 
40 minutes in, it just cuts off. Yeah. And or, then it just the text just comes up on screen for more. Put in a dollar. Well, we're, we are reco- we're recording this on May Day, and I can only assume that the $3 version is for your Occupy Wall Street types and that the, the, the $5 version is for the 1%. That's, that's their version of the last Godfather. That is the income inequality gap mm-hmm. right now, yeah, yeah. is $2. <laughs> so bought the high-end version and, uh, and we appreciate d- it. Yeah, delivered it drove this like to a dream. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Crystal clear, picture and sound. Yeah, really the way the movie was meant to be seen, which is ironic since the movie was not meant to be seen. <laughs> no. Really was, but with some name actors in, in the movie. This yeah. is a movie that we should say this is a film written, directed, and starring by a man named uh, Hyung Rae Shim, who is one of the top comedy stars in and science fiction stars in South Korea. He actually was the star of a long-running children's science fiction film series in the 80s. Uh, there's like at least eight installments of it. And he directed a previous pot, uh, Flophouse entry, D Wars Dragon Wars. Yeah, D Wars colon Dragon Wars. Or either that or it was, or it was col- Dragon Wars colon D Wars. I can't yeah. remember which. But uh, he directed that. And so this is, he is a big wheel in the South Korean film industry. Mm-hmm. So big that he tried to make this last Godfather's foray into the American market. Crossover mm-hmm. hit. Sure. This is also, this is a movie that in Korea is called The Dumb Mafia. <laughs> so. We'll More get accurate. <laughs> uh, so he, but who are some of the big name stars that he has in this? Some surprisingly big name stars. Harvey Keitel. Harvey, the kite Keitel. Mm-hmm. And as Christian Slater would uh, put it, doing a little crash grab action. <laughs> and right. you can tell that he his heart is not exactly in this role. Um, he has a crying scene that is. Yeah, he, he sort of shakes his shoulders a couple <laughs> times. Uh, he indicates also. Uh, Coen Brothers' favorite, John Polito. Mm-hmm. Kevin Smith's favorite, Jason Mewes, is yeah. in this. Um, what's her name from was it House of the Devil? The, the lead actress from House of the Devil is the romantic lead in this. <laughs> and when we tell you a little about the movie, you'll be surprised there's a romantic lead in this film. <laughs> and, uh, John Panette, a very funny com- yeah. uh, Canadian comedian uh, playing. Is that the, the, the large gentleman? Yeah. I've seen him around in a lot of He's in a lot of things. Uh, a classic bit. Uh, you go now at the Chinese buffet. Uh, do you know? Nobody? No, I don't know that one. Yeah, it's great. That's his. That's his. Solo. Oh yeah, you know, I think I think that fr- I think that from the days of Comedy Central when it was just clips of stand up, I remember that. I was racking my brain. I look. I looked at the uh, the IMDb and I was like, I don't rec. I I've know I recognize him this guy. Stand up on TV, but I don't. But know. I don't know what I've seen him from. And now, like, I yeah, that, some classic like, bits. Uh, it's when. Comedy Central was giving out those half-hour comedy specials yeah. in 1992, 93 that made like Gabriel Glazes and Mitch Hedberg and Nick Swartzen sort of famous. Mm-hmm. John Panette had one as well. And his bits that everyone just uh, – him at the Chinese buffet eating everything and then, yeah. you go now. You yeah. go now. Uh, yeah. And then uh, Herve Village as, as the Batman. Wait, what? <laughs> I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. I am the Batman. <laughs> That's what he would, those are his two bits. I'm not, well, here he's just up. kind of playing a fat, bumbling gangster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He did a great job. He didn't do it. <laughs> but uh, so here's the here. So as we said, Young Ray Shim uh, stars, writes, directs. It's a tour de force. He's a real auteur mm-hmm. in the world of the last gangster, the last Godfather. I keep wanting to call it the last gangster, which is an Edward G. Robinson movie from the '40s totally different movie yeah in that there is less there's about a hundred percent less korean man child romance in that uh (laughs) and so the last 
uh, Godfather? Should I just mention the plot very quickly? Yeah, you should uh, sure. just run through it quick. Um, Harvey Keitel is a gangster. We're brought. We're introduced to the fact that we're in the past in New York by some film footage of the old Lower East Side, literally stock footage in black and white. Mm-hmm. I thought it was the 30s. Then about 40, 30 minutes into the movie, someone's watching a television. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I guess this is the 50s. Uh, that's a little different. But Harvey Keitel is an aging mobster. He's tired of being the head of the family, and his right-hand man assumes that he's going to become, his right-hand man, Tony, assumes he's going to be named as the next boss. But it turns out Harvey Keitel has a son, and he wants his son to be the boss. Son no one knew about. Yeah. Nobody, except, I guess, Harvey Keitel, who just stuck him in an orphanage for a number of years. To protect him, I think. Oh, yeah, to protect him from his enemies. That's right. When he was on the run, hide. Yeah, it's like Spider-Man, you know? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's too much too much responsibility. The villains are going to always you know strike out of the ones that he loves the most. Yeah, that's why he's the masked mobster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it turns out years ago when he was a young man, he was on the run from a mob war and went to Korea and there fell in love and had a son with a Korean woman. Now, it's time for that Korean son to come back and take over the family. Thus enters our hero who is kind of like how do you describe? It? He's like if Harpo Marx was really like not charismatic, or like if Forrest Gump was about ten times dumber. Harpo or... Marx were like twenty years older, <laughs> and Korean, and maybe like not just like like an imp, but mentally deficient in <laughs> he some does, way. He seems like he is, pardon the word, retarded. Um, sort of like a Roberto Benigni as Pinocchio kind of character, <laughs> and. Uh, he is bad at everything. He doesn't really understand English, but he says it. He, he'll repeat English phrases. He's just like your classic, like, clumsy innocent, uh, but to the point where – and he is too old to be playing this type of character. <laughs> we, 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 saw on his IMDb that he was born in 1958, um, playing Harvey Keitel's son, who was born in 1939. Young Ray Shim clearly lies on his IMDb page because <laughs> he is, look uh, approximately the same age. They really do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. If anything, it looks like Harvey Keitel is his son, but uh, maybe that's overstating overstating him. But uh, he is, and he's just like this. It seems like it is a guy who, one of these, like someone who should be in a in a home, <laughs> you know, in a place where he has a nurse watching him at all times. We can't harm him himself. Yeah, sure, but this character Young Goo that he plays—the <laughs> character's name is Young Goo. And this is a character he's played in many movies. Apparently, that's right. Like this is a character that he does. It, it's like his Mr. Bean, I guess, mm-hmm. or like his uh, little tramp. His little tramp. He's in different adventures. Uh, and one of the movies that you mentioned on his IMDb page is Young Goo meets Count Dracula, <laughs> yes. which I want to see so badly now. <laughs> because this is a comedy, but it's a comedy that at times you're watching it and you're like. Like, is this a prank? Like, is this... <laughs> it feels like this is... A, like, it, when Tim and Eric's movie should have been this. Like, this bizarre gangster comedy that stars this person who cannot speak English that well, in the movie at least, and is playing this really mentally challenged character for laughs, and Harvey Keitel has to take it seriously within the world of the movie. Sure, and then, so, it, the... Um, here he is right away when Harvey Keitel explains this, and then he says, here he is now, and this cab drops. <laughs> the nun, and we see, end up seeing later, the whole thing, the, the premise is that this orphanage in Korea <laughs> is relocating. 
to the United States. <laughs> Which never happened. They have no money. <laughs> These orbits. Uh, it's just moved the whole thing. Like, I guess, I guess it was built on a, an ancient Indian burial ground before, so they got to move the orphanage. The nuns got a really great business offer in New York. They're, well, we got to move the orphans. Look, so, we yeah, got to take advantage of this. tax break for orphanages in New York now. So Youngu gets dropped off and says here, and then to thank the nun, Harvey Keitel presents her with a fur coat and a bottle of Chianti. Because <laughs> he's Italian. <laughs> yes. uh, and and Youngu is overjoyed to see his father. Every, the other mobsters are like, this is kind of weird. Cut to the next scene is a they're all eating together, and Youngu is just tearing through watermelon like crazy. <laughs> and it's... Everything he does is so physically exaggerated to the point where it looks like he's in pain when he's doing comedy. Um, but anyway, to make a long story short, there's another family, the the arch nemesis family, headed by John Polito. And Jason Mewes is his mm-hmm. right-hand man, I guess. But he's kind of a bad guy. Uh, it's a remake of Miller's Crossing is what you're saying. <laughs> Pretty much. Two warring uh, mafia families, one of them headed by John Polito. And John Polito's daughter uh, is an innocent... She works with the orphans at the orphanage, even though the orphanage just moved there. Um, <laughs> and long story short, they try to make Young Goo into a mobster. At first, it looks like he's not going to be able to do it. He's a big embarrassment. He can't fight. He can't do anything correctly. Uh, at one point, he's in a park, and there's a push cart where someone's selling lingerie, and he just starts putting women's bloomers on. It doesn't make any sense why he's doing these things. But then, so he decides... They try to teach him how to run a protection racket. They try to teach him how to torture a guy. They try to teach him, like, this is, by the way, this is the hero of the movie, the childlike innocent. And the movie is supposed to make you, like, wish, like, oh, Young Goo, you got to learn how to be a mobster. Come on. Shoot the guy, Young Goo. I mean, come on. It's not like these are good mobsters or something like that. Like, they have a protection racket. He, he's supposed to shoot a guy at one point. But uh, things aren't working out. Uh, even though he really takes well to torturing someone with ice. Yeah, I don't think so. They cut the scene leading up to that, and they must have because all of a sudden, inexplicably, Youngu and John Panette are just sliding a guy <laughs> back and forth on the large, like yeah. a large block of While ice. While singing Christmas carols. Yeah. And uh, Youngu is shoveling uh, ice cubes into his, uh, his underpants. <laughs> And uh, yeah, but the guys under it guys. seemed effective, it, but it seemed like an effective method it really, of torture. Yeah, he did yeah. not like it. That's <laughs> who would. Young Goo has a flair for uh, sadism. For yeah, flair for pain. <laughs> yep. Uh, he's like a child, but uh, Young Goo falls in love with the daughter of the opposite guy. Things are not looking good for him. It looks like he's he's not cut out for this mob life. Then he snaps. And he just walks through town, walking into businesses and saying, you give me money. I'm mafia. I'm mafia. And then fixing their businesses. <laughs> he he tortures a woman with hairspray to the point that she suddenly has a beehive hairdo that she mm-hmm. loves. She He goes into a, a, a dress store and tears the woman's dress so that it becomes a miniskirt. The woman loves it. He walks into a hamburger shop, uh, like a diner, where, where we see a customer take one bite out of a hamburger and then put it down and walk out. Yeah, and by the way, and there's also like a it's pile like, of, of hamburgers on the hamburger. side. <laughs> this is, happens with every customer. And so. Youngu walks in and to make his point, slams a hamburger patty down, slams a second patty on it, then adds, you know, lettuce, pickles, 
whatever uh, special, special sauce, special sauce, sauce sesame seed yeah. bun. He's invented the Big Mac. Yeah. So in this, this is the most brilliant section of the movie where Youngu, in <laughs> yeah. his anger and attempt to become a mafia man, invents the beehive hairdo, yeah. the miniskirt, and the Big Mac. Youngu is the father of the modern age, <laughs> and, and he has made everyone so happy that and the neighborhood is so economically. And he made us happy. I think at that point <laughs> we really point, did start like turned around. Movie. We really fell under the spell of the film <laughs> at that point. By the point we realized that this movie makes no sense <laughs> and uh and we're just supposed to accept that young is a bad guy who causes good things to happen through evil that uh that anyway so the neighborhood is economically revitalized to the point that young is a hero when he and his father walk through town people just press things into their hands food mm-hmm. wine just bananas marinara sauce. <laughs> marinara sauce. there's just a woman waiting for him an extra standing <laughs> He's down the block. There's an extra already out set with marinara sauce just ready to hand him. <laughs> it's good. It's well-directed. Yes. Is what you're saying. Everything's natural. Uh, Young Ray Shim. <laughs> Auteur. <laughs> Korea's master. Let's just call him Korea Steven Spielberg. Yeah. It's all, we know it's true. Um, after that, there's a lot of gangster double-crossing. Uh, Jason Mewes. Jason said. Mewes wants to sell out his boss. He tries to make a deal with the lieutenant, with Harvey Keitel's lieutenant, who you think might take him up on it. He thought he was going to get this big job, and mm-hmm. now he's been passed over in, in favor of, let's face it, a retarded guy. <laughs> um, and then he – but he says no. He has loyalty, and uh, young and young, young Gu saves him, rescues mm-hmm. him from being kidnapped. Everyone's friends. Uh, young Gu has a fantastic day out with John Polito's daughter – that uh what do they do they just kind of wander around you know montage stuff ice cream ice cream uh he goes to remove a bee that's on her shoulder (laughs) in a way that makes it look like they're having sex you wouldn't kill a fly and it turns out it was a bee yeah yeah and at the and at the end uh she said oh you really wouldn't kill a fly like you then that was a fly so they end up it looks like so that was the big problem with the yeah. movie yeah. she said fly the script girl should have been fired <laughs> for that one. this would be, this was an ladies and gentlemen film. of the jury <laughs> until that moment are we to believe this is supposed to be some sort of striped fly but they're being followed by Jason Mewes and his little gang, his brother, uh, yeah. and he. Um, they see Young Gu all over Nancy. Yeah, Nancy is the daughter, in a way that makes it look like he's just right in broad daylight in the front seat of the car, just mm-hmm. going at her. And if they, this happens for about a second, and then the guy, one of the gangs, goes, "That's stamina," but yeah. like it makes you wonder what this guy's home life is like. <laughs> He can barely keep it up for like a second, you know. Yeah, two 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 seconds of dry humping, and that that that's it. Apparently, that, that's stamina, guys. Am I right? What? It's, no, it's the fifties. <laughs> uh, but I wonder what it was like for the actress playing Nancy to have to play these romantic scenes with this bizarre character mm-hmm. who's being played by a South Korean man who says he's in his fifties, but is possibly older, and who is also directing the scene. And it's just the romance between them is so completely. I mean, at this point, with, with as an actor, you think you're making a film that's only going to be seen in Korea, so it's like one of those like um, I'm going to be the spokesperson, Ben Affleck. But in English language, we got some film. you know Japanese cologne yeah. that you're going to be advertising. So they're just, I just don't understand. I think they did get actors that everybody needs to work. Yeah, and well, of course, you get a job this is a offer. Job. A job is a job, and. 
you just sort of take the money and make out with a Korean guy. I mean, they didn't really. She's going through the script. And when I read Exterior Car, Nancy is humped by Young Goo. <laughs> it didn't, I didn't, didn't quite hit me physically what was going to happen in the scene. So, okay, there's double crossing, triple crossing. Jason Mewes is on a rampage. Mm-hmm. He arranges it so it looks like Harvey Keitel kidnapped Nancy, leading to a both sides of the mafia battle war. Um, uh, like a face-off. Face-off mm-hmm. the same street. street. Tommy guns everywhere. Harvey Keitel and John Polito start to talk, say maybe this isn't the right thing to do, but Young Goo... Guess whose gun, go, gun goes off. Gun goes right. off. Suddenly, it is an all-out shooting war, and people are dying. Yeah. Like, this is <laughs> not a comedy shootout. comedy. <laughs> like, at least 20 people get shot to death. <laughs> and just in the street. And it's not like, boing. It's not like one of those movies. Earlier in the movie, a bomb went off prematurely, and the guys that were in the explosion, they just have tattered clothes and, like, soot all over their faces. Like, it's a cartoon. But here, people are getting shot and falling off of fire escapes. What? Like, they're dying. And also, the, uh, on their scalps. Blake. Clark, who's the cop, who you may have seen in like, Adam Sandler uses him a lot because he's an old stand-up comic. All right, um, is just showing up periodically, just to the point. <laughs> I think at the second appearance, you forgot he was in the movie <laughs> yeah, altogether. This, he's like the police chief or something, or he's just a cop. And he, at first, you're like, okay. The cops are going to get – there's going to be trouble when the cops try to catch Young Goo. No, they just show up every now and then and have like, – his car gets blown up or like they run away from something or – yeah, they, yeah, and at the end they show up for one last time, and uh, all the mafia, co- you know, cock their guns and they run away, and that's the last we see of the cops. I think they're trying to establish this is a city without law. Mm-hmm. This is a, this is what happens without a firm hand to keep the criminal element in check. But the other thing about like all these people dying at the end of this movie is like, <laughs> this is not a dark comedy. Like if this was like the tonally, this if this was be a, a dark comedy. comedy I, you know, you could. You, I would laugh if like the hero accidentally sets off a bloodbath, and then like, okay, this this shocks me into laughter. No, this is like a goofy comedy with like, sure. you, know, you say, boing sound effects and stuff. And then at the end, it's like, well, okay, this guy caused everyone to die. Yeah, he killed everyone, and Younger was just left standing. Yeah, that would see. That would be a. He's the last Godfather. Yeah, <laughs> but now he doesn't kill everybody. Oh, I get, I get it. it. He's, yeah. He saves Harvey Keitel's life. Thus showing Harvey Keitel the error of his ways mm-hmm. in having a gunfight. Uh, they call an end to the gunfight. Nancy shows up. She's She's been saved. Uh, and Harvey Keitel and John Polito were like, we shouldn't, you're right, we shouldn't fight each other. We should work together like real mobsters do. And <laughs> Jason Mewes is mad at Young Goo. And challenges him to a to a duel, I guess, like a face off. Except they're five feet away. <laughs> just <laughs> yeah, they're so close to each other. There's no way either one can miss when they shoot. Like, and Jason Mewes for it feels like about thirty minutes swir- twirls his gun on his fingers. <laughs> I don't. I still don't understand what that was. They, it's not, I mean, he clearly has not practiced this either. Like, he can twirl his gun on a finger as well as I would say any the, the three of us. Not sure. as well, I mean, not as well as Young Goo, because Young Goo tries it and he can't do it. But yeah. the uh, it's, it's like you and me, we're going to shoot each other. 
okay, let me do some gun tricks first. And then Youngu tries to do the gun trick and shoves the gun right into his fly. So yeah. that's a cla- that's classic Youngu, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> There's a lot of bits in this movie that classic feel like goo. classic Youngu. Yeah. He tries to pick up his hat, but he keeps kicking it by accident. Yep. Uh, he does a little dance, and then he falls over a trash can. <laughs> it's a movie built around settings where, like, so they go in, they're in the weight room at one point. Yeah, weight the, room. The, There's the, a self-defense class. The brassiere stand is classic Youngu. <laughs> yeah, classic <laughs> Youngu is the. This is my breakout movie. I'm doing all my the my hits. classic this is material. Time for the hits. <laughs> the, <laughs> the best of Youngu. Yeah. Uh, so they. But then he says, "Okay, on the count of five, we're gonna shoot each other." Okay. So on the count of five, and Youngu shoots him, and he goes, "Ah, what did you do that for?" You said five. You say I said five. <laughs> I said count of five. Bang. Shoots, shoots him, him again. again. Why did you do that? You say five. I said count of five. No, Shoots him five. A third mm. time. And that's the end of the gunfight. And Jason Mewes has the best line of the whole movie, which is he's just lost everything. <laughs> Everyone knows he betrayed his godfather. He's probably going to get killed. He's just been shot a couple times by Yungu, And he goes, oh, he's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's like at that Thesis point, statement. the movie is like, yeah, if you didn't get it by now, we're just going to say it. Yungu is stupid. <laughs> Just in case there's anyone in the audience, look, we got to wrap this movie up. Just in case anyone is did not get the point, let's just stop being subtle, okay? Uh, and everyone's happy. Yungu is going to be the new godfather. The two crime bosses are going to divide up the city between them and mm-hmm. be the lords of vice in the, in New York. You take the judges, I'll take the wharf. You take their divided. They literally are dividing at the yeah, final I like scene. a garden party. Yeah. And they've... But also, as part of this, they've signed over their personal assets to Youngu, which makes no sense. Uh, and Youngu takes all that money and gives it to the orphanage, and then he and Nancy drive the off. The orphanage that is so wealthy, they have relocated from Seoul, Korea. They are an international, they're a global orphanage, but they don't have any money. But then I also like, I love the last line in the movie, which is something like, they're like, oh, we're happy now, but not until my dad catches us, or something like then that. Then he goes, but when my dad catches us, because that's the sound of putting your finger across your throat. Yeah. And it's like, oh, Youngu, you're going to get killed. But uh, that I, we didn't oh, mention there's, this, there's a lot of upsetting scenes in this. Oh, no, well, we can circle back now oh, that okay. we've kind of but this laid is, out the... This is a movie that, like, we you you left the DVD case, Al, on my desk with a note saying, you know, found this in a gas station. Enjoy. And <laughs> from the cover, I was like, this is going to be a stupid comedy. But I had no idea what it, like transcendently stupid comedy it was going to be in terms of like like at times it felt like the movie was playing this triple game of like okay this is a really shitty comedy but we know it's a shitty comedy and we're doing it on purpose but maybe we don't but we are (laughs) but it's possible we don't but we do but like it's i couldn't tell at any given point what anyone was thinking when they were making this at one point you were uh, Youngu is uh, drinking away his troubles, and the um, <laughs> at a, yeah, he's at a whorehouse. At yeah. a whorehouse, uh, drinking, and really, he starts with you know two or three beers, and then in a <laughs> couple cuts, where it's what forty beers. Uh, so <laughs> the bar is covered in beer bottles, like yeah. all lined up, like it's ridiculous. no less than forty beers. Definitely no less than forty. Yeah. yeah. So he goes over, and we think he's going to vomit, but Jason Mewes and his brother <laughs> pop up <laughs> from behind a chair <laughs> and then sneak out right behind Youngu. They're following him. Youngu rounds a corner. Now we're in an exterior shot. <laughs> 
and they say, there he goes. <laughs> as if, as like if, they've been sticking it out from outside. Yeah, as if they were waiting for him and not in the building with him. You're usually inches behind him, sneaking out behind him. They're also, they're going to inject him with a poison, and young, they're maybe a foot behind Yungu talking normal conversational tones. Okay, jab him with this, and if you put all of it in, he's going to die. And there are extras walking around, like, just going about their day, coming home from work, I Ladies guess. Ladies closing up the brazier stand. Yeah, and it's like nobody bats an eye at two men with a syringe in their hands talking about how they're going to kill a guy who's right in front of them. But also, uh, when at, when the guy is about to kill him, he like, every time he does it, he does the biggest wind-up before, like, <laughs> putting the, like, and then he stopped because Young Goo, of course, looks around. But it's as if someone, if someone today was doing a parody of an Abbott and Costello routine, yeah. they would do that. They would do like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it right now in just another. Whoa, Whoa okay, I just <laughs> scratching my ear. Nothing, nothing on here. Oh, right, just okay. Gonna put it right in. And... It is. Uh, these are not good gangsters. They're not good at what they do. Uh, but I would mention it's just there's something about. Yangu is the lovable hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the course of this movie, we see him bully three shop owners <laughs> with violence. Uh, he steals pennies from children. That's true. <laughs> and I threatens them with a gun. He tortures a man with a block of ice. He hits, I don't know how many people, with a baseball bat in the head. And also lifts up a... Maybe his... the worst choreographed <laughs> scene of all time. <laughs> this baseball the slowest. Bat. Yeah, just nothing. They couldn't even do anything to speed it up. They didn't rehearse. Everything is like one take in this film. <laughs> and like. if that take goes on a long time, uh, there's this is the scene where he's being he's supposed to be taught self defense. So they're gonna go at him with baseball bats, and he's gonna defend himself. And yeah, they just end up hitting each other with baseball bats for a long, t- <laughs> long time. Oh, I thought you were talking about the scene where he say Young Goose saves. Oh yeah, the- he hits a lot of people with baseball bats in that one too. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's another one, yeah, where it's like everyone's moving slow. It's like the whole thing was shot underwater. Like there, there's no, there's no urgency. Where's the urgency, Young Goo? One thing I like about this movie is most comedies have like that, you know, logic. Well, most some sense that's of sort reality. of what I'm going going with this. Like most comedies have some thin pretext for their comedy set piece. This movie takes away any motivation for for like a comedy thing happening. Like when he's in the park. There's a scene, you know, where Young Goo's sitting in the park, and then he looks over, and oh, there's a brazier cart in the park. There's, a, there's a, for some reason in the park, there's a, sh- there's a cart selling ladies' undergarments, which he goes over and he's like, ooh, ooh he pokes at all the, the cups, the bra, <laughs> yeah. every cup, as if there might be a boob hidden in one. Yeah. And then he, and he finds a big bra yeah. at one point and goes, oh, too big. <laughs> 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 and then he takes some uh, some undergarments, yeah, like bloomers or something. Yeah, bloomers, and he just puts them on. <laughs> and there's no reason that he would do that. Well, he's curious. He's, he's the eternal child. He's going to make a funny fight scene yeah. for him to save well, then, Nancy. Yeah, saves Nancy from a from a when he has a to fight, he does not have his full range of motion because he has bloomers half on and half. He off. also has a secret weapon, which I have to assume is a Yungu trademark, which is that his shoes smell bad, <laughs> and <laughs> so he knocks people out with his smelly shoes he wakes people he up revives. with his smelly shoes <laughs> yeah they take life he's like they a... give life <laughs> it's an elixir yeah. he it's uh a superpower he's, he's, he's the shoes and he never really makes great use of them but those smelly shoes they're in there he does a lot of 
uh, he just does dumb stuff. because <laughs> he's, yeah, so, like, he's so stupid. He's so stupid. <laughs> uh, it even has the thing. It has the type of thing where he's at a party and he falls asleep and dreams of dancing with Nancy. And when he wakes up, he's hugging the like an ice bucket, like the oh. champagne. Uh, yeah, champagne holder. Yeah, it's like oh boy. <laughs> Ellie, you were quite taken with just the way he walked in one scene. <laughs> there's a scene. There's a scene where he just goes to answer the phone and he's just got this big grin on his face and he's just jauntily walking up to the phone, swinging his arms back and forth like a cartoon mouse or something like it's just these things that he he is yeah, a he might as well be cartoon. wearing shorts with great big buttons on them at that point it, but uh, written by uh young yeah young ray shim young ray shim directed by young ray shim and starring young ray shim as young goo i mean you can't say that this wasn't his vision mm-hmm. up there it's on all, screen it's all up there yeah but i mean budget for something like this I have to assume four hundred, five hundred million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I think six to between six and ten. You, I could I mean, see that. Yeah, I think. Well, I mean, I assume it was funded with with Korean money that he could go to the people who usually make his movies. But Lionsgate did the distribution. Is that? Is yeah, that, okay. they did appear to only have one city block that they could work with. But that was a big. That was a yeah. big set. Like they had. Yeah, that's at Fox. I think they're using Fox or Universal for that. Is that what? You, have you been? Have you seen those sets? Yeah, or? there's one. A big. Um, there's a big New York Street um, at uh, Fox. I'm pretty sure that was Fox. Was that? Is there a? Is that a painted background? In they the had room? a lot of uh, just obviously painted backgrounds. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like uh, those Kincaid. Uh, where it was. <laughs> it was. It, I've never seen because usually they put them so far in the distance that maybe <laughs> no, there's like this is like a, a stage play. Yeah, like these were just flats. It really did look like it was uh, some scenes were done on the stage. But they were, <laughs> but so, it, it was like a cheap looking, expensive looking movie or an expensive looking cheap movie. You know, I mean the way it was lit at some points. I mean when they were outside and how bright the, yeah. the actors during the tomato scene. Oh, the famous tomato scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the other thing is like. Harvey Keitel's character is so much supposed to be Don Corleone, obviously. Like, he dresses like him. His office looks like it. And so, like, well, The Godfather had a scene where he's in a garden, so we're going to have to put him in a garden. So they're just like... A container garden. (laughs) (laughs) Where they actually got... They rented this house with grounds, and uh, I feel like (laughs) they shot for two weeks, and they spent six million bucks, and maybe... Three million went to the actors uh, because I I gotta say yeah to get Kaitel that's gonna cost money yeah I think he gets this offer and it's for a million bucks or seven hundred fifty because he needs that name to sell this if this is gonna be but I mean maybe everybody else I'm telling you for lies and illusions I was paid five thousand dollars and that's for how many weeks work I do I worked for three weeks and I flew um. Back and forth from L.A. to Spokane. Is that even is that even like uh, Actors Guild scale? I mean, what is that? No, like? this is a non-union job. Yeah. This was uh, oh yeah, this was a scab job. Books. Yeah, scab job. <laughs> they paid him in actually not even in cash. They paid they him in scabs. Him, they paid. <laughs> wow, that's disgusting. <laughs> Just a briefcase full of scabs. <laughs> they paid him in uh, gift certificates. That's, That's how off the books it was. And um, but I had to think that Christian Slater was making a million bucks or at least $500,000. That's where all the money's going. I know their budget yeah, for that was, um, I think it was about $4 million. And we, uh, I mean, they had a crew. that It looked, they definitely were on some sort of lot shooting. There's And yeah. those locations aren't cheap. This looked like, I mean, it didn't look like an amateurish film. 
this this one it looked like a poorly made film but like by professionals you know and for you saying for two weeks it was the number one movie in korea actually yeah for this was the number one movie in south korea for two weeks um let me look at let me pull up my my let me pull up my last godfather facts here uh do, 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 i though there i think like i said i think you know it's known as <laughs> dumb mafia uh oh, it's logging into his last godfather app for on the his phone. first two weeks of 2011 so the weekend of january 2nd the weekend of january 9th of last year number one movie at the box office uh this is other movies that were number one at the box office. so megamind number one at the box office in korea for one week Wow. You had two weeks of The Last Godfather, then one week of Megamind, three weeks of something called Detective K, uh, <laughs> Battle Los Angeles, number one for two weeks, King's Speech, number one for one week. So Last Godfather's hold on the Korean box office was be- was longer than King's Speech, Thor, Megamind, Fast Five. Of course, then there's Kung Fu Panda 2, which was number one for four weeks. Uh and is there a, a way to go some sort of like ki- box office mojo type of thing and figure out what they did in terms of money on this? Thing? Well, it says admissions, so I don't know if that's money or if it's ticket numbers. Um, but you know, this was not this didn't dis- this was not you know a direct video in South Korea. This was a big hit. But I assume it's because that Yungu name. Like, well, and, people and it was the new chapter in the. From Yungu what I saga. got from the producers on this uh, license illusion thing, that, that it's all about the foreign box office. And so when you name uh, down to the name of our movie, movie, um, they were very clever about that because they want to pick things that uh, people are, can uh, identify with and that'll translate well. Mm-hmm. And my brother was on a plane coming home from Mexico. And was watching a guy watch Lies and Illusions in Spanish <laughs> on his laptop. And he said, this guy, and then my brother, you know, in Spanish, he goes, what do you think about that movie? Oh, it's very good. I love this movie. This is a good movie. So their standards are so low <laughs> yeah. in well, other countries that something like Lies and Illusions is going to make money. Yeah. And Young the is going to be funny. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's some movie I remember reading about some movie that I think Jessica Simpson was in that was released like two years later on DVD here, but I think it was number one at the box office in like Belarus for a couple weeks. Like, crazy. yeah, the standards in other countries are super low, which is crazy when you consider how low American standards are for number one box office movies. Like, sure. a lot of shitty movies become number one at the box office, but in other countries, they're like, oh, beautiful masterpiece. Oh, delicious. Have you seen Fast Five? Is I have it? not seen Fast Five. Oh, you should, that should be one on your list for sure. Is it not? It's it too much production value? In no, there? I mean, that's we can do it. We do plenty of big movies. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah, it really is bad. It better or worse than The Last Godfather? <laughs> oh, okay, come on. It's not fair. Because <laughs> <laughs> The Last Godfather is so amazing? Or I don't know how this didn't... The only reason this didn't get nominated for Best Foreign Language Film at the Academy Awards is because it's not in a foreign language. Now, I didn't mention I mean, the reason... He is the Roberto Benigni of <laughs> yeah. South Korea. South Korea. <laughs> the reason why I know about this movie is from um, a friend of mine, Ken Siegel, who was the sound guy on a, a TV show I did with Raquel Welch and Jeffrey Tambor called Welcome to the Captain. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stuart, it was Stuart on that. No, no, I, uh, I don't Stuart has, has far fewer <laughs> failed pilots than you do. Yes, I was. I've been in uh, before going to the Daily Show, um, a couple series that didn't make it past a year, and uh, Ken. Siegel was the sound guy on two of those. Uh, Welcome to the Captain, this uh, last one I did with Hank Azaria called Free Agents. But while I'm on Free Agents and getting mic'd up, Ken is like, 
I got this movie. You got <laughs> I know you're watch. about to go to work, yeah. but, but you got here. Youngu here. Let me he sets the whole thing up and says, Youngu. Let me give you the story so far. Yeah. So Youngu. You're gonna be confused. This is his love interest. This is the daughter from the rival mob boss. Yeah, they're going to an orphanage and watch Youngu hand out women's clothing to the boys. That's right. There's a scene where they they because she chari- she's a charity person. She goes to the orphanage and he goes with her and he's got a box that just says like orphan donations on it or something like that and he's handing out high-heeled shoes a dress to the boys and runs out of toys so he starts giving his clothing to the kids including the famous smelly shoes which means you're then gifted with the image of uh young in just boxers and a bow tie like with trying <laughs> to cover right. himself with balloons because he's bashful and giving a coy look as he puts a helium balloon in front of his crush. And Nancy's wow. reaction to this is like, Oh, oh, hey, young you're, yeah. you're adorable. Daddy. He's sweet. <laughs> you don't understand. That's the thing. I don't want you hanging around with that Korean boy. <laughs> It's a good Polito. Oh, thanks. He was in my uh, voiceover agency. I used to see him all the time. Oh, really? Yeah. How you doing? <laughs> He lost a lot of weight at, at one point. Yeah, you know what? He would bring. I think he'd bring his. Uh, Someone would bring a kid in uh, to Toledo, the boy. Toledo, Polito. Toledo, Polito. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Hey, Toledo, <laughs> sit right here. Don't make any noise. I'm gonna go do a couple spots. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Dad. It's <laughs> <laughs> the higher pitched, gravelly voice. I. Okay, Dad. <laughs> that's right, the kid really needs to stop smoking. <laughs> no, that's the Polito way. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he uh, he Ken recommended this uh, movie. He just uh, this is dedicated to Ken Siegel. Ken Siegel, it, it turns out, sound uh, guy in Reservoir Dogs. Uh, we just looked at Malcolm. Yeah, I know we did Malcolm in the Middle. Resume. He did uh, the entire run of Malcolm in the Middle. But I love you, man. And just recently, um, the five year engagement. Oh, so this is a guy who knows. So this is not like those movies. He's, he's not some just some guy from nowhere. No, Ken this is a guy who found a place in his professional heart. For and I'm going to send this to Ken. Ken would be so happy to hear <laughs> that we're doing this. Yeah, You're spreading the gospel of the last Godfather um, and Young Rishim. <laughs> and the genius that is Young Ray Sham, so who we, is very celebrated in South Korea. But yeah. I don't know. We're 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 running. We should close now. the book on this. We uh, we usually close uh, the the bad movie discussion part by saying by our final judgments, saying whether this is a good bad movie, a bad bad movie, or a movie we actually kind of liked, and we just go around the horn. Elliot, what do you say? Good bad movie. I gotta yeah. say. And to the point that I kind of liked it because I could not understand what was like it baffled me so much. But there's something about just taking a very rote, bore like very rote, stupid comedy and dropping in a character who is totally just baffling, just baffling <laughs> and and extreme. And I don't know what anyone was thinking that I enjoyed I, it actually. I thought it was going to be a, a bad, bad movie, and I was thinking bad, bad movie. Right up into the scene where, and this is a turning point for all of us, when uh, Young Goo changed the world. <laughs> when he brought about the modern age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. This is a good. It was like suddenly became an episode of Mad Men. Yeah. This is a good bad movie. This is a movie that, like, yeah, I straddle the line almost between kind of liking it too, because there are scenes where he it's... busts out, like, 
such corny old <laughs> he's, comedy. He, he's tropes. stealing material from like Buster Keaton. Yeah, like, and he doesn't do it well per se. But the <laughs> fact that he's trying at all, I just really appreciate. I th- it helps that I've never seen this guy in anything before, so I have to assume he's exactly like the character all the time, and he's just not even a character. Like he's just bum- he's bumbled his way just into bumbled a movie his career. way to incredible success in the Korean film industry. All right. Well, uh, we're gonna we're gonna skip over the mailbag for a week and just go uh, quickly. Oh, <laughs> oh, the oh, house man. cat's cousin. <laughs> uh, we're gonna quickly go to <laughs> the uh, recommendations, movies that we saw recently, or maybe not so recently that we liked and would recommend in lieu of watching a Although, bad movie. I got Although rec- I kind of want to recommend the Last Godfather. Godfather is pretty good. <laughs> So, uh, quickly, uh, if we have things, Elliot, do you have uh, something you want to recommend? Sure. I'll recommend, uh, speaking of bad movies, this is not a bad movie, but it's about bad movies. It's, uh, which is, there's a documentary that Dan and I both watched recently, actually, uh, that's on Netflix streaming at the moment called Papatopoulos, which is about uh, the director Jim Wynarski, who, if Roger Corman is the king of B-movies, then Jim Wynarski is like a grand duke. Or maybe like a prince. He's directed a ton of really crappy or varying levels of crappy exploitation and B-movies over the years. I mean, he did direct Chopping Mall, which is pretty great. Chopping Mall, which is, yeah, which is a classic of B-movies. He directed the Swamp Thing sequel. He directed um, a number of movies that are now shown late at night on Cinemax. And this is what this movie is about, which is... He's he wants to make a movie in three days. This is this movie called uh, The Witches of Brestwick, which is a softcore porn film. And he says, "Seen it." <laughs> That's, well, yeah. I'd be lying if I said I hadn't seen th- that movie before I saw this <laughs> one. But uh, he, he his goal is to make it in three days, and he and the actors are going to live at a cabin together, the same cabin they're going to shoot the movie in, and they're going to shoot the film finish. All, all shooting in three days, and then he's going to sell this movie to cable. And it's kind of about the compromises he has to make now in terms of working faster and cheaper than he ever did before and more sex-based to get his movies sold and to make them and kind of the demise of the B-movie industry where you don't have this world now where – you can do kind of a low-budget movie with maybe a slumming star and expect it to play in theaters and make a little bit of money back or make a lot of money back. Now you basically have a huge movie of, you know, like $5 million or $10 million or up to two hundred, or you have these tiny, tiny budget movies for like $100,000 that are more and more just pornography. Um, and it's a really interesting movie, and there's some just some interesting scenes in it about people shooting a movie in very close quarters in a very quick schedule. Um, and there's a lot of women in it with big boobs because the movie yeah. they're making has a ton of big boob women. Sure. In it. That's Winarski's trademark now is just women with big boobs. Yep. And he says in the movie, he says, these are my two things in the movie, a big chase and a big chest. And this movie that they're making does not have a chase in it. So <laughs> yeah. I think they, they he goes overboard with the chest. Ch- <laughs> exactly. Something Double I, D on uh, the chest. I'm not sure, you know, it's going to be a while for, uh, since, uh, for me to come. It took a while for this to happen, yeah. for me to come on. Uh, and it took Stuart to go to Puerto Rico. Uh, I'm going to tell <laughs> two stories. You just think r- that Al deported Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick. on that plane. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, two tickets showed up at his door. <laughs> he opened up his mail. Puerto Rico? Hey, honey. <laughs> did we you, did we you love Puerto Rico. Did you enter the Madrigal sweepstakes? <laughs> what is this? So uh, me and my wife, uh, B, not B-movie, but uh, uh, I, my wife on our first date... I knew I was going to marry her because I said, who is your, uh, she said, who's your favorite actor? I said, who's your favorite actor? And she said, Bruce Campbell. Nice. So knew I was going to marry this woman. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really did know at this, that moment. (laughs) And, um, then, um, I I, I had another one. Uh, I'm sorry. I got so, uh, I assume the other story is about you masturbating to witches of Brestwick. No, (laughs) but it is. Thank you for reminding me Then I see witches of Brestwick and I had an affair with, uh, yeah, the blonde, witch. Uh, um, the, um, whole point I wanted to make is that with these movies, um, there's so many scripts out there and so many people that aren't working. Um, me and my friend had an idea that we were just going to make a movie, but we were going to cast and the whole thing and get our director from Craigslist. <laughs> so I started uh, placing Craigslist ads for directors and other things. So we, I did this thing with Rain Wilson where we found a location for – and it was a porn star's mansion – in Encino, California, uh, but we found it for two hundred and fifty dollars a day, which is crazy cheap. She needed money, and so we had this. I think a, a porn star was trying to keep up a mansion. Yeah, yeah, gonna yeah. Need money, Ben. You're gonna need money, Ben. <laughs> so, um, and then it led us to going on Craigslist and placing all kinds of ads for directors. Uh, it was taken down within a half hour, but in that half hour, I got thirty different resumes huh. uh, from. Directors that were capable of directing a movie. I got offers from uh, guys that with grip trucks saying, if you put me in your movie, I'll let you use my grip truck. Uh, so we got all of these different resumes and everything from Craigslist. So it was our idea that we could make a Craigslist movie and get the screenplay from Craigslist, the locations <laughs> from Craigslist, all of the actors from Craigslist, and just completely make this craigslist movie which i'm trying to do with um i I now know this guy who works um at stars Mm -hmm. and so i want to make i want to film a documentary i want to film this movie being made but made entirely from internet like the low, the best person we could find for the least amount of money. That's the greatest idea. And, uh, the way the government would do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, I am trying to do this, but these resumes were amazing. Uh, uh, first unit director on my, I think, a Michael Bay film, the, um, uh, what did he do uh, with Ben Affleck? Uh, Pearl Harbor. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a guy that came in, the, one of the Pearl Harbor. So someone who's used to working with big productions. And that could potentially do this to just have been the, in these underling roles the entire time. So, um, yeah, I, and that's that's You're my really idea. taking advantage of the slump that the film industry yeah. is in. <laughs> Anyway, so, um, yeah, I just wanted to, that can be done. I'm trying to do this. So um, I know you guys donate to the podcast, but if you want to donate to this movie effort, <laughs> rah, rah. <laughs> don't pander to them. You're pandering to the listeners. <laughs> That's it. That's it. I just uh, I know I'll never be on again. No. Just keep sending stories that, to Puerto Rico. That's your recommendation, though? Your Craigslist movie? Or? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you uh, recommended no. a movie that doesn't exist. I recommend making my movie. <laughs> um, my recommendation is um, I just saw The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Yeah. And which we were talking about, uh, but I liked it quite a bit. I, I thought that was I didn't I didn't have any desire to see that when it came out 
in the theaters, and but you saw it right away, and you were disappointed with everybody. Oh, else. I saw it. He late. saw it midnight. No, I Thursday saw it night late. of opening. But we talked about this on the podcast once. Like it's weird. Like that. That that was. They tried to make that counter programming. Like they had that come out around Christmas, and that was not a good idea. Like it's they a thought it'd be, movie. They thought it'd be clever to like. Oh, okay, we're gonna have an alter- alternative to you know the usual stuff that comes out of Christmas, and the thing is. People like the usual stuff that comes out of Christmas. They sure. schedule that for a reason. Yeah. Uh, my kids' favorite movie, and this, uh, if you had, do you have kids out there? Uh, my kids love Clifford with Martin Short so much. <laughs> I know um, people who who are diehards. Now you have movie. not seen this. Or? No, it's a movie that I haven't seen, but I've fr- I have a friend of mine, my friend Dan Brooks, has been trying to get me to see it for a while now. It's awesome. He's just insane about it. And I guess it was that was a flop. And that that became this sort of cult. I mean, I remember cult. when it came out, it was like I just I remember when that movie came out, and Martin Short was on Letterman's show, and Letterman was like, "Clifford, it's a great movie. Saw it last night. Great." And it was I think it was the first time I realized he didn't see that movie. Uh-huh. Like the hosts of these shows don't see the movies. He did they're see talking the movie, about. and it's awesome. <laughs> no, it really is good. Um, so if people haven't seen it in a while, or they haven't seen it at all. You've got to find Clifford. So Clifford, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, <laughs> yeah. and your Craigslist movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. Craigslist the movie. Uh, and I guess uh, honestly, if I if if Elliot hadn't re- recommended, it, I might have recommended Papatopoulos. Oh, but I, I can also... recommend a different one. If no, you no, want no, to no, no. I. Uh, so I went out and I saw uh, Cabin in the Woods, like a lot of our listeners probably did, and I really enjoyed it. I haven't seen um, it. Yet. I'm not into cabin movies. Sure. I like uh, the woods part. Right. I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, you know, I'm a fan of Joss Whedon in general. But this movie also, I just think, really plays very well to all types of audiences. My wife uh, saw it with me, and she doesn't necessarily love horror movies the way i do although she does have a strange fondness for piranha 3d like mm-hmm. uh like elliot and i uh do but um saw it on my wedding day <clears throat> but uh yeah it was it was great the worst i could say about it would be that because it is such a sort of a deconstruction of horror movies you don't necessarily get super emotionally involved with the characters but it's uh, very clever and very funny and we we're talking about on the subway over here on the subway you know uh frank kranz who's in the movie who i worked with in welcome to the captain where oh. ken siegel did the sound. It's like wow. Six Degrees yeah, of, of Al Madrigal. <laughs> but uh, he's amazing in the six movie. Six Degrees of Ken Siegel. And he's um, currently working on Death of a Salesman. Oh, really? And might come by the show and say hi. And oh, so cool. I've got be... tickets to that. Oh, really? I'm going to see the final performance of it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, well, he was terrific. And I, I was saying that I really loved him also uh, on Dollhouse as Topher. He's, he's Topher very Grace. Very funny. Yes, Topher Grace. He was playing... He's playing the actor Topher Grace. On the... Or was he playing Dave Eggers' younger brother Topher? Yes. <laughs> From a heartbreaking Tof. work of Staggering Genius. He's playing all Tophers everywhere. Uh, I was going to say, when you said Joss Whedon, it sounded like you said Jaws Whedon. And I imagined <laughs> Joss Whedon with metal teeth. <laughs> Just directing movies and then biting down on on pipes. <laughs> I think that's a pretty amazing uh, image to uh, wrap the show up on. Uh, so unless you gentlemen have anything else. Oh, we should say... Uh, we should reveal. Oh, oh, should we reveal what our the movie is going to be? Yeah, uh, we did not uh, do the trail of clues about what our live flop house movie would be because we forgot. We're lazy and forgetful. Well, the last episode was our 100th episode, and in the excitement of Tango and Cash, we forgot to leave another true. Uh, in the excitement of Tango and Cash clue. and the tiredness of us being tired. Uh, but uh, June eighth, 
June 8th. Friday, June 8th, 8 p.m. 92Y Tribeca. The website has already spilled the beans. We're going to be having our third Flophouse I Love Bad Movies Bad Movie screening. Uh, live event. Live event. Running commentary by the floppers, us, and... Uh, no, Stuart. I will be there in his <laughs> place. <laughs> you have really... This is a real All About Eve situation. Uh, but the movie we're going to be showing is Quiet Cool, starring James Remar. Uh, this is an early 80s James Remar action, I'm going to say classic, uh, okay. about a New York City cop who plays by his own rules, who has to head out to the Pacific Northwest to stop some murderous pot growers. Uh, the pot grower henchmen all have different haircuts. Uh, and there's an opening scene for James Remar that involves um, a chase between a purse snatcher on roller skates and James Remar riding a motorcycle. Uh, and it's pretty awesome. And speaking of murder, uh, there's a very good chance that I die leaving Dan's sketchy apartment. Uh, so, uh, That's possible, yeah, we should, too. We should wrap this up uh, so, uh, so Al doesn't get stabbed on the way out. But quite cool. Uh, June 8th. For the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. I'm Elliot Kalen. And I'm... Al Madrigal. Al, Al Madrigal. Did really you forget? Wanted, no, I wanted to do the cat thing. Oh, you can do it one more last time if you want. Just, 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 just don't let Stuart know. <laughs> this is our secret. Good night. No, just the sad one. Never gonna do it again. The house gets brother is here. <laughs> the house gets cousin. Stuart's got to be so mad. <laughs> is he? Well, maybe you should have shown up. Yeah, he's very... Prefer- rather than going to Puerto Rico with his Puerto- wife. Yeah. <laughs>